from KBOO in Portland, Oregon, and the Pacifica Radio Network. This is Progressive Spirit. ProgressiveSpirit.net. I'm John Shuck. Today I speak with G. Scott Brown. Scott is the co-founder of the Colorado Center for Restorative Practices. Scott worked for over 15 years with organizations including Greenpeace, the Idaho Conservation League, and the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. He's a leading advocate for consistent nonviolence and bringing the principles and practices of restorative justice to bear on the full range of social issues. He's traveling the country talking about his book, Active Peace, A Mindful Path to a Nonviolent World. His website is foractivepeace.com. Welcome, Scott, to Progressive Spirit. Thanks, John. Really good to be with you. I want to begin with a story you wrote in your book. Uh, you were active with Greenpeace and, and had a television debate with a scientist from a pulp and paper mill in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, would you talk about uh, your work with Greenpeace and then what happened with this interview? Sure. I was with the Greenpeace Toxics Campaign. I was the regional uh, director out of the run in the southeast office out of Atlanta. And we were very involved in campaigning against the use of chlorine and trying to draw attention to chlorine pollution, dioxin from incinerators, dioxin and other chlorinated compounds from the pulp and paper industry. And so working with this particular mill in Mobile was one of my campaigns. And I got a debate organized with a scientist from the company. And as we started out the way that those things usually start out, I entrenched in my position and he entrenched in his position. And I was talking about alternatives to using chlorine in the paper bleaching process. And about probably three quarters of the way through the debate, when I realized there was no conclusive victory in sight, I really just went off on this guy and I started yelling at him to stop lying to people. Stop lying to people. And the producer of the person who was interviewing us uh, took a, uh, a frightened look at her technical people and the show was ended abruptly. And so what I, what I relate in the book about that is how my intention to go in there and save the earth all in the span of a half an hour, really it, it, that intention organized my, the way I showed up for that interview, my, my energy, my thoughts, and I had no openness to just letting it unfold organically. I, I had an agenda and I'm just left feeling like I would have been a much stronger advocate if I had been able to hold this capacity that I call not knowing, this other capacity of bearing witness and was able to move through that interview, through my work back then in a more open-hearted way. So that story is in the book around this concept of intention because that is so foundational 
to how we show up for life and for our social change work, for our activism. And I, so it's it, it wasn't a, it's not a fun story to relate. It was embarrassing, but that's who I was back then. I was as deeply embedded in the belief in separateness as anybody. And so I like to be really clear on that, that, that I'm, I'm also healing that belief in separateness, which is really what the big theme in the book is healing the belief in separateness. Well, I appreciate that story in the book. You, you made yourself vulnerable. And, and I started out with that um, because of that is so common um, in the way in which uh, we take up our causes. Uh, you see the political stuff going on right now. That's how everybody seems to do it. You, you, you get your point in and you do your thing. And the intention is to is to win and have your voice heard, as you said. Uh, and, but that isn't necessarily effective in the outside world or within, is it? It's not. If it were, that would be one thing. But it's it's not effective and it doesn't contribute to creating a truly life-affirming world. Now more than ever, and it's always been true, but now more than ever, I think we're called to use means that are consistent with the ends that we seek. And blame, shame, resentment, and fear, are they don't work for changing the worldview, changing the beliefs of ourselves and other people in fundamental ways. One of the, the main points in the book is that this belief in separateness is not only an incredibly deep wound, but it's a worldview wound. We can't change other people's worldviews through force or acts of will or, or shaming and blaming. So the stage is really set for a very different way to approach our, our social change work and our activism. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that that realm of activity needs to change as much as the financial system and the transportation system and the political system if we're going to survive because we need that energy and that work. Well, you begin your book uh, talking about separateness and duality uh, and how that leads to violence. Uh, spend a little bit more time with me on separateness. So what, what do you mean by that? I mean the belief that we as human beings are separate from each other, from the earth and other species, and from God and spirit. And I think that belief started about 10,000 years ago with the dawn of agriculture, and when all of a sudden certain species became good, certain species became bad, species that we were eating, good, weed species, bad, the animals we were domesticating and eating, good, the animals that killed those species, bad. I believe before that, there even when agriculture was first starting, there was still a participatory, intimate relationship with the earth. And over time, I think that belief in separateness 
just got deeper and deeper and deeper. I also write about certain fundamentalist Christian beliefs around separation and the scientific revolution as kind of the way that that really got ingrained in the worldview. It's largely unconscious, these unconscious beliefs in separateness. And there's, there's degrees of separateness. A lot of us are trying to heal ourselves, cultivating a more intimate relationship with other people and nature consciously. And yet I know from my own life, practicing very deeply for 10 years now, that I too still have this subtle, sometimes not so subtle, belief in separateness. So it's a deep wound that doesn't discriminate and it's humbling to come at activism and social change from that perspective, that we're all in a process of healing. Scott Brown is my guest. If you're just joining us on Progressive Spirit, he's the author of Active Peace, A Mindful Path to a Nonviolent World. Andrew Harvey, the founder and director of the Institute for Sacred Activism, wrote the foreword to your book. And he wrote of your book that it addresses, uh, as he put it, quote, the most urgent question of our time. How can we create a nonviolent world? Close quote. Let's talk about violence. When, uh, the seeds of violence are within separateness? I believe so. We can think about wars that we wage and how one of the critical steps is to make the enemy an other. You make them an other and it becomes possible easier to kill them. So I believe that all of these social issues that we're concerned about, climate change, war, increasing disparity between rich and poor, if we really boil it down and look deeply at the root cause, I believe that root cause is the belief in separateness. And it feels increasingly urgent to me that we consider that root cause as we do our work. It's, it's alarming the, the thought that because we know that there's more people and organizations than ever in the world doing great things, expressing their care for the world. It's a great paradox. So that on one hand, on the other hand, this very scary trajectory that we seem to be on, civilization as we know it, collapsing. And violence to me is, is really the, the root of it. Fo climate change, the burning of fossil fuels is an act of violence. And it's completely based on the belief in separateness that we can use these resources, create this pollution, and that somehow we're not going to be affected by that. The way we treat each other interpersonally, which is so important and often left out of the discussion about activism and social change because we need each other more than ever. We need strong organizations and communication skills 
to be able to navigate these challenging times, which are going to get more challenging, which are going to get more violent. You write, more than any technological fix and more than any inspired leader, we need to learn how to get along better. Who have been some models for you? Well, the first person that comes up is Marshall Rosenberg, who created Nonviolent Communication. That's one of the very first books I came across when I started out on the peacemaker path. Mm-hmm. And the the way that he encouraged us to look deeply at feelings and needs. What is the need underlying the behavior? It's incredibly radical and transformative. He, he taught us that we all have the same basic universal human needs. We just have different strategies for trying to meet those needs. So that's one area of skills and tools I talk about coming back to that idea of intention. What is my intention as I engage with another person or a group? Knowing what triggers me, what triggers us is another area that I cover in the book. And then tuning into our resources, those areas of life that heal us, that comfort us, that allow us to come back to center to a real grounded place so that once again, when we get triggered, we can come back to center, come back to being grounded. Practices like time in nature, practicing art, playing music, engaging in interpersonal relationships, spiritual practice, prayer, physical activity. Noticing judgments is another area of interpersonal practice that I I like to emphasize because we all do it. Making judgments is kind of part of being human and it helps us survive that kind of discriminating wisdom about what's good for us, what will keep us alive. And yet so many of these judgments that we make about other people are not true. They don't reflect who those other people really are. So I, in the book, I try to get at that, that absolute truth of who and what we are as human beings, which is a spiritual a spiritual truth, a spiritual essence, seeing the basic goodness in people and moving from that place as we engage in social change work. That's what I think we're really called to do now. That's, that's the evolutionary move. That's the transformational move is to go deeper than stopping the next bad thing, but to really start creating the thinking and the beliefs and the way of being in the world that is going to set the stage for for our future survival and happiness. Well, talk about your work now. Uh, are you still involved in, in activism such as environmental activism? And, and how has this new holistic approach, active peace, um, transformed your thinking about say what Greenpeace uh, might be doing now uh, uh, or, or any of the other or the protest moments, Black Lives Matter, what, whatever it might be. How, how do you see your work integrating with those movements? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I do still engage in um, in activism. The writing the book has has been my my activism for the most part mm-hmm. for the last five and a half years, believe it or not. And it's changed everything about who I am and how I show up. I can see more clearly not only the violence and feel it and grieve for the suffering and the pain in the world, but I can also appreciate much more fully the nonviolence that's in the world. Gandhi reminded us that if nonviolence and love were not our basic nature as human beings, we would have destroyed ourselves a long time ago. Hmm. And it, ju- it just makes sense that mm-hmm. regardless of how bad things seem, it could be a whole lot worse right now and, and would be if it weren't for this basic goodness that people have. And to see that, to experience it and feel it, you have to look pretty deep. You know, a lot of activists are not engaging in the world at that level. They, they see only, only red, <laughs> only black, only the, the bad stuff. And yet I believe that this capacity to hold the paradox is essential in our time. And it gets at a deep level of, of truth-telling, you know, what's really true. And the violence and the nonviolence are true. The destruction and all of the delight in the world. That's what's true. It's all of it. It's paradox. Paradox is what holds the world together, the light and the dark, summer and winter. Um, and, and not only outside, but also within. We are peacemakers and we're violence makers. And owning up to that uh, oh, truth yeah. is part owning, of it. Owning our part in the system mm-hmm. to the extent that we project all of the violence and insanity out onto a handful of other people or industries like the fossil fuel industry, we are not doing anything productive. That is not productive. The insanity is all around us. We're steeped in it. We participate in it. And we are also healing our own insanity, the root meaning of that word is not whole. And so I think most of us can feel in ourselves this longing for more wholeness, more open-heartedness, more resilience, more compassion. And at the same time, we're perfectly, we are perfectly whole and complete, just as we are. So yet another paradox. And John, I, I want to say about mindfulness as a foundation, really the basic foundation that I talk about is because we are already whole, ultimately. The work is to bring conscious awareness to it, to our experience. Same with our relationship to nature. We are already as deeply Mm -hmm. embedded and involved 
participating with nature as we're ever going to be. So the practice is just to notice that, to bring more and more consciousness to the way that we participate so intimately with nature and the need and the practice for reciprocity. Scott Brown, my guest, uh, author of Active Peace, A Mindful Path uh, to a Nonviolent World. Uh, Father Daniel Berrigan died in May of this year. Uh, he was a peace activist for nearly all of his uh, uh, life as a priest. About 10 years ago, he was interviewed by Amy Goodman on Democracy Now!, and she asked him if his effects for peace were productive, and, and he said no. He said, my understanding of the spirituality of nonviolence is that you cut yourself free of any kind of necessity of succeeding. Uh, You cut yourself free of the other end of the good work you're trying to do and concentrate upon the goodness of the work you're trying to do. End quote. Would would you resonate with that? I would very much. And that is, that's a radical approach to social change. That's a very spiritual approach to social change. And I find myself moving in that direction more and more. 20 years ago, when I was engaged in activism, I paid very little attention to to spirituality. That's why I would get in situations where I would um, do what I did to the to the scientist in that in that debate, because I didn't appreciate kind of the deeper work, the, the deeper kind of the, the mystery, the magic that really makes things happen in the world. And I, I think we, we get a taste of that in our own lives, that it's not, it's not us that are living this life and making it possible and feeling the love and bringing the compassion, that there's something mysterious in place, something larger than ourselves. And that is a tremendous shift that is uh, the revolutionary shift that I think we're called to not just know intellectually, but to feel deep in our bones, in ourselves. This sense of who and what we really are, because to the extent that we continue to move from the ego, the small sense of self, we're going to continue to be trapped in these cycles of violence and suffering. That is, that's a deep truth that, that Daniel Berrigan was, was alluding to, I think. G. Scott Brown, author of Active Peace, A Mindful Path to a Nonviolent World. And Scott, uh, you're talking, you're going around the country talking about your book. So tell me a little bit about uh, these conversations that you've had so far. What, 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 is, what has happened? What, what have you learned? What have others learned? Well, I'm getting the feedback that it's very uh, interesting timing to be traveling the country talking about peacemaking, mm-hmm. given what's happening in our country and around the world. I notice a lot of people want really concrete tools. They want tools, and there there tends to be an energy around it of wanting to really wanting to fix things. And so I find it really important to talk about how there is no quick fix 
to the predicament that we're in. Mm -hmm. And so I spend a lot of time talking about our context as human beings, as activists in these challenging times, our spiritual context, what we've already talked about, which is so essential to a constructive approach to activism, our healing context, which we've also talked about, which is very critical and humbling in our, our time. And this, what we could call the state of the world, you know, the crisis mm -hmm. that we're all so familiar with, and also the opportunity, the violence and the nonviolence. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of gratitude for the work and the, the timing of it. People want to know, what would you do if, if you sat down to lunch with Donald Trump? <laughs> you know, that's very present in people and it's very real. And so I talk about all of these, all of these qualities and these capacities as a way that might inform a meeting like that, that I am not going to change Donald Trump's worldview over lunch. But what I can do is just really try to be present to, to him and speak my truth in a way that's, that's authentic and honest and strong and also just bear witness to his truth without feeling like I have to fix it because I can't. And also in that context, John, I'm talking a lot about restorative justice and how we can still hold people accountable for the harm they cause and work to stay in our hearts and in our love and in our truth as, as human beings, our deeper truth, which is grounded in compassion and love and care, not shame, blame, and resentment. That there's a way to do both, and that's where it gets really juicy. That's where it gets really deep and very transformative. Scott Brown, my guest on Progressive Spirit, is the author of Active Peace, A Mindful Path to a Nonviolent World. Scott, thank you so much for this book and for your work for being with me today. It's a pleasure, John. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Progressive Spirit. Find links to podcasts at ProgressiveSpirit.net. Catch Progressive Spirit weekly on several radio stations through the Pacifica Radio Network. Progressive Spirit is produced at KBOO in Portland, Oregon. I'm John Shuck. Be well. Be well.